special occasion today, Valentine's Day. I know everyone has a sweetheart or a significant other, and I hope that you have shared the love and affection with one another. And if you be a visitor with us today, on our bulletin we have a tear-off tab that we would like to ask you to tear off and give us a little bit of information about what you might be thinking, whether you be searching for a church home or just visiting with some kin. We welcome you this morning, and we just want to continue to grow and reach out to each other in our community. In our announcements today, we have uh, on the very back of your bulletin, you can look, but there are two changes that I want you to be made aware of. Our first change is on Tuesday, the 7 p.m. roof meeting has been canceled. It will be not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. So don't come here expecting the, that meeting. It has been canceled, rescheduled. The other cancellation is on Wednesday night, Wednesday morning, excuse me, the prayer meeting at 11 a.m. has been canceled. There will not be any prayer meeting Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. So that's kind of the negatives. So on the positive side, you can come still Wednesday evening and have sloppy joes <laughs> for your Wednesday evening meal. Boy, I tell you, it can run down your arm and everywhere, but you can enjoy it. And the people who prepare it for you will thoroughly be happy if you partake in it. As you can see there, you can read the other announcements rather than taking time away from the Lord's message and his time to be with us. At this time, I'd like to turn the podium over to our youth. Oh, I need help. I don't know what I'm going to do. I need something or someone to make this pain go away. I'm happy in the Lord anyway. And it really doesn't matter what comes my way. I'm gonna wear a smile and sing his praises high. I'm happy in the Lord anyway. You all seem so happy. Well, sure we are. Happy and excited about our upcoming variety show at our church. What's so great about that? Does it make you happy when you hear great entertainment? I guess. I bet I know what makes you happy. Good food. At our fundraiser, we'll be having some awesome spaghetti. It's a, great, it's a hit every year. I do love to eat, but I'm not sure that's enough to make me happy. I can tell you what the most important thing is that will make you feel better. What? The Love and Fellowship of Christians. Just come out and give it a try. It's February 27th. The doors open at 5 p.m. We have great food, entertainment, and you can even participate in our silent auction. That really sounds like something I need. I'll be there. Hey, wait a minute. Can you sing, dance, or tell jokes? We need more acts. See Leslie Luck to sign up, okay? See you there. See ya. Wait, how do I get tickets? Just find any youth. They can help you out. It's $10 for adults and $5 for kids. What a deal. Start 
practicing. Thank you, youth. Receive some of them and get your tickets. Now, let us open our hearts and continue on with our hour of worship.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come calling to you this morning. First of all, giving you all the praise and all the glory and the thanks for everything that you have granted us this week. And you will continue to grant us as we go on in life. It is a special day today, as we know it as Valentine's Day. And it expresses the word love. And there's no greater master than you, Lord, that gives all the love to each and every one of us here today. That you will continue to give us that affection. And may we continue to ask, but yet we need to give back to you because it's not all one-sided. We need to have you in the center of our life. And as you are centered there, we can become better Christians and people to lead other people to your storehouse and gathering places. Lord, be with us. We invite the Holy Spirit to come upon us here this morning as we continue our, our worship here at Mechanicsville Baptist Church. And may that spirit enter into your heart today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The greatest love of all is the divine love that God gives to us. Would you turn in your hymnal to hymn number 208? Let's stand together as we sing Love Divine, All Loves Excelling.
Good morning and happy Valentine's Day. Um, if you noticed in your bulletin today, this is special for WMU. It's Focus Sunday for us, and it's one of my favorite times of year to talk about WMU. Um, <clears throat> a few years ago when I was up here, we try to give you a little bit of history about WMU because we have new people that join our church, and um, everyone is not always um, familiar with um, how WMU got started, Women's Missionary Union. And actually it was in May of 1888 that there was a meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention in Richmond, Virginia. A group of um, women delegates from 12 states um, gathered at Broad Street United Methodist Church. And they organized an executive committee of women's mission societies, which was an auxiliary to the Southern Baptist Convention. In previous years, um, the women met to discuss possibilities of creating a missions organization. And during the 1888 meeting, um, they constituted and adopted the first um, officers of WMU. And it, and it was the headquarters were in Baltimore, Maryland. And Annie Armstrong, um, who our Easter offering is named for that we give every year, she was the first corresponding secretary um, during the organizational meeting. But prior to 1888, um, women had already been gathering to pray for missions in 1861. There were some Baptist women in Baltimore, and they founded the Women's Mission to Women, Women's Mission to Women for the purpose of prayer and dissemination of info about missionaries. And then um, in 1921, the WMU moved their headquarters to Birmingham, Alabama, where they are now. And when you look at your list, you can see who all the leaders are, who the groups are, uh, when the meeting times are. And uh, if you've never, if you haven't um, had a chance or your children or grandchildren to be in any of these groups, we would invite you to bring them on Wednesday nights and to Women on Mission uh, for the women on the second Tuesday of the month. And I want to thank all of our teachers. Um, we have wonderful teachers for all the groups, and uh, you'll see them listed and uh, the leader for Women on Mission. Um, <clears throat> part of WMU, of course, the, the mission purpose is to equip adults, children, and youth and preschoolers with a missions education to become radically involved in the mission of God. If you are um, other parts of WMU that some of you might have been involved in are the Baptist Nursing Fellowship, the Christian and Men's Women's um, Christian Women's and Christian Men's Job Corps. The Project Help changes their emphasis every two years. Um, this year it's PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. And usually we think of military people that um, who are affected by this, but it's anyone who's ever suffered some kind of trauma in their life and suffers with depression. And then we've also at times been involved with Pure Water, Pure Love, World Crafts, and Volunteer Connection. And I would like to ask um, all of you sitting out here today who've invested in WMU over the years, if you were ever um, in any of these mission groups as a child, or if you ever taught in any of these groups, or in any of them right now, would you please raise your hand? We've got a whole, a whole big group of people here. Okay. Um, Let's see. Well, the, the WMU reorganized in the 1970s. The Sunbeams became mission friends, which they are today. 
the girls auxiliary became GAs, and the Baptist women and Baptist young women are the women in mis on mission now. I also wanted to mention um, at this time of year when we have the focus, there's always a project uh, that we like to be involved in, the children's groups. And this year, the Mission Friends, GAs, and RAs um, gathered boxes of tissues, disinfectant wipes, and candy, and Brenda Real delivered those to a, a homeless shelter in downtown Richmond. And then the Women on Mission have had a couple of um, projects this year. They have taken cookie trays to the sheriff's office, and they adopted um, a college student, um, Emily Pritchard, who's far away. She lives and uh, goes to college in Michigan, so they adopted her this year. And I also would like to ask, you know, we have our Alpha House here, uh, which brings um, WMU close to home to us when we get to meet new missionaries since some return. If any of you have ever been on any mission trip um, overseas or intergenerational, would you raise your hands? There's a lot of people out there too, okay? All right. Now the mission friends are getting ready to, um, and you'll be a part of this, they're going to um, recite the scripture that they've been working on, and you'll see it, your responsive reading in there. We wanted to choose a verse that had to do with love, and this one was um, really hit it on the nail. So we're going to ask you to join with us in a few minutes, and then after, after they recite their verse and we do the responsive reading, uh, we have a gift that we want to hand out, um, a special gift um, for widows and widowers this year, and we wanted to share some love with them. And being a, a widow myself, I can as I shared in the early service, can speak firsthand about that because um, it was four years ago today that I lost Gil. But anyway, we just wanted to spread some love and sweetness to y'all. And so right now, let us get the mission friends up here. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. First John four seven. Thank you. Okay, now and we can recite the rest. 
He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's First John um, 8, 9, and 11. Thank you. Okay, now they're going to, um, we would ask the widows and widowers, Robbie, you want to come up? The GAs and RAs are helping the mission friends and the other teachers are helping. Um, if you are a widow or a widower, raise your hand real high so they can hand you a special valentine and some candy. Raise your hand. Can y'all raise your hands again, please, because some of the Valentines are in the baskets on this side. If you'll raise your hand real high. Abby, you and Chesley want to go over that slide? You have some Valentines in your basket, please. Okay, is there anybody who's missing a card and only got candy? Okay, Freddie is back there. Freddie needs a card and Valentine. Can you raise your hand again? Okay, there's still some more in the back. Serenity. Thank you. We want to give one to Miss Sandra, too. Okay. That was mighty nice. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And you can give uh, Brenda needs some. Oh, she got it. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Any, um, did anybody get Freddie yet? Freddie? Freddie needs a Valentine and candy. She needs some sweetness. <laughs> Okay, anybody else? Is everybody set now? Okay, thank you all. Thank the GA's mission friends and RA's. Thank you, boys and girls, for sharing your love with us this morning. I'd ask you to turn in your hymnal to hymn number 607, Something for Thee. Jesus gave his life on the cross and his show it to show his love for us and uh, our hymn this morning says uh, what are we going to do to show our love for him 
And so would you stand as we sing together, Something for Thee. As we continue to worship, may I share a few thoughts? Uh, first, um, to, to get us together and, and share the love, uh, I, this morning I found um, a couple different versions of, of how the love is in their gospel. The love is, in the King James Version, 131 times in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, 179 times. Spend a moment and, and look at how that love is shed. And, it, and as we venture into the New international version love is is as many times as 319 in the old testament and 232 in, in the new may i share with you before i pray first corinthians 13 6 love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things shall we pray heavenly father we come to you today on valentine's day a day that reflects love relationships and we thank you that for the for for you first loved us 
and gave us the ultimate example of love and the gift of our son. Please bless our tithes and offerings and help us strive to be good stewards of your gifts. As we go back into our lives and to this week, let us remember to live by the example Christ has set for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
before we go to prayer, I wanted to share with you a couple of things. Uh, the reason for the prayer service being called off on uh, Wednesday is we will have a memorial service here on uh, Wednesday at 1 o'clock for uh, someone in the community that passed away who has no family here but has friends in our congregation, and they have asked me to conduct the service and want to do it here. So I felt like the time frame was such that it was just better not to have the 11 o'clock prayer service. For those of you who come to that and know, um, we normally don't like to do that, but under for memorial services we usually do. There also will be a memorial service here on Tuesday at 11 for Gladys Shoemaker's nephew, Herbert Bateman. And um, so I wanted to make you aware of that as well. And the reason for the meeting being postponed uh, for the roof, and we all need to be in prayer about our roof situation in the Family Life Center, and you'll be hearing more about that, uh, is because Cotton Sizemore did a lot of the legwork for that um, uh, proposal. And Cotton had two stents put in on uh, Friday at uh, Henrico Doctors Hospital, and the doctor has asked him, or I guess ordered him, to uh, rest for five days. And so we don't want to uh, burden him, and we certainly need the information that he has. So uh, we will pray for Cotton. And then uh, Faith Tony stopped by early this morning on her way to St. Mary's Hospital. Her husband, Ron, who joined our congregation a couple of weeks ago, uh, is uh, having a series of seizures related to the brain tumor that he has. And the reason his arm was in the sling was because the seizures affect his left arm and the left side of his face. And so his left arm is paralyzed as a result of that. They could not get those seizures under control. They were ready to release him, and he had another seizure. And so she was going back to St. Mary's to determine what they were going to do. So I want you to remember him uh, in your prayers uh, as well. So um, I thank Bob for making the announcements this morning. He said, you give the details. So that's the details of, of what's um, going on and wanted to let you know uh, to be in prayer for these people. And we can be thankful that it's going to warm up to the 20s today, right? So um, I'm grateful that you're here on this cold morning because it's nice and warm in here. At least it is for me. I hope it is for you as well. Let's bow for prayer. Gracious Lord, as we come into your presence today, we are thankful for this day. For it reminds us of the love that we can share with one another. But that love comes as a result of the love that you have for us because you have shown us how to love through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're grateful for that love. We're grateful for the example of that love. I pray, Father, that as we lift those up who we've mentioned this morning in prayer, that you will be at work in their lives bringing healing and strength. Father, it's difficult times with the uncertainty of illness that lurks around the corner for all of us. And yet we know that you walk with us even in these troubled times. I pray that you will bring healing and hope to those who are in need. For those who have lost loved ones, Father, we pray that you will bless them, encourage them, comfort them. We're so thankful, Father, for the children this morning and uh, for the WMU and for the work that they do, and even in the gesture this morning of remembering those who have lost loved ones. Father, we know that you have called us together to be your people. We're thankful, Father, that we can share love with one another. We pray for the work of WMU and the organizations that uh, our church uh, supports, and we pray, Father, that the greater work that they call us to through mission service and through 
um, supporting our missionaries around the world. We pray for our missionaries and their work. We're thankful, Father, for this church, for the ministries and work of this place. Father, we know that uh, we have issues related to our roof in the Family Life Center, and we pray, Father, that you will help us to sort out those issues. We pray, Father, that you will help us to uh, seek your wisdom and your guidance and to step out in faith and do what is necessary. Father, you have given us this place to worship, and you have made us caretakers of it. And so we know, Father, that as we give it to you, that you will bless and that you will use this place to introduce others to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bless us, Father, as we continue in our time of worship together. In the name of Jesus, amen. In humble adoration, I kneel before your throne. In brokenness, I see your face alone. Above you, there's no other who's able to restore my soul. Come and make me or sacrifice reveal to me your power cleanse me from my pride always use me now I pray
restore my minutes till 12 and you know I'm a 25 minute preacher so I'm going to give you a minute to to greet one another we don't do that very often but it is Valentine's Day so that way you're nice and awake and alert and if you need to slip out we won't be looking at you and that kind of thing so take a moment to greet one another Linda, I started to say, well, Linda plays the piano so much better than she plays the horn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just... Thank you. I I know we could probably do this the rest of our time. But I did want to give you a chance to stretch your legs. We did have the children this morning, and that was a wonderful thing. And um, wanted to give you an opportunity to greet one another and wish happy Valentine's Day. Um, 
Betty and Norman Bowles have a wedding anniversary today, and I saw Norman earlier, and I see Betty now. So happy wedding anniversary to you on the 14th. And, um, it's also Bob Kidd's birthday today. I wished him a happy birthday in the first service. And so, um, anyway, if you're on Facebook, I know it's your birthday. If you're not on Facebook and it's your birthday, I'm sorry, but happy birthday if you're not on Facebook. But, uh, because Facebook tells me every day whose birthday it is, and I always try to send out a happy birthday with a little birthday cake. You can't eat that birthday cake. They're probably the best kind because no calories. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15, which will take us to the end of chapter 9. I would encourage you to go back and read chapter 8 about Paul's work in Macedonia. Um, but uh, we can um, make this work in this chapter as we continue our survey of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 9, beginning at verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. <coughs> and by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul had weathered the storm. He had been faithful to the gospel, his call, and his mission. He drew a line in the Corinthian sand on behalf of God and the church of Christ with a harsh letter delivered by Titus, his faithful and trustworthy associate in ministry. After writing the harsh letter, but before hearing back from Titus, Paul lost his mission base in Ephesus due to the silversmith's right. He left Ephesus for Macedonia, generally heading in the direction of Corinth. <coughs> he finally caught up with Titus somewhere in Macedonia on Titus's way back from Corinth with the good news of the Corinthians' godly grief over the harsh letter that produced repentance. With Titus's good news, Paul was comforted with the profound comfort of the Holy Spirit even in the midst of his afflictions in Asia and in Greece Conflicts on the outside, fears for him on the inside. Paul rehearsed his story to encourage the Corinthians about their own commitment to the gospel, their call and their mission. Paul's previous imitate me as I also imitate Christ resounded even more in their thoughts through their own journey with Paul down the byways of reconciled relationships he had led them. <coughs> you would think now, would be the time 
for a well-deserved vacation. Not Hardin. Not Paul. Ever the pastor, Paul kept pastoring through this letter. Even after reconciliation had been made with the Corinthians, Paul understood there was more work to be done. Church conflict inevitably distracts from church mission. And Paul knew that. And so there were some things that he had to deal with in that process. Corinth had become distracted because of the break in their relationships. Now hear me, church conflict inevitably distracts from church mission. So who wins when that happens? Satan wins because people are no longer listening to the Word of God and reaching out to introduce others to Jesus Christ. They are content being conflicted among themselves. All of the stormy weather of injured relationships meant the Corinthians had lost sight of the goals Paul had for all his churches out in the provinces. Turn inward and you lose sight outward. One of these goals was financial. In the chapters ahead, Paul moved to reestablish the Corinthians' commitment to the collection for Jerusalem. The task was delicate. Asking for money is never easy for a pastor. Misunderstanding and charges of improper motives always lurk nearby. For Paul, the issue was even more personal because he already had needed to insist that he defrauded no one in 2 Corinthians 7 2. Why would that charge hold any water anyway? Somehow the charge had to be half believable. The collection for the saints in Jerusalem was probably the origin of the charge. Paul now turned to talk about this very collection. We have our gifts, not so much for our own sake, but for the sake of others. We are like an apple tree that produces fruit, not for its own consumption, but for the consumption of of others. Our gifts are given so we can bless others by ministering to them. If you have the gift of teaching, you have it so that others in the body will be taught. If you have the gift of hospitality, it is because others need the gracious welcome they receive from you. If even one gifted person fails to function, the body of Christ is deprived of ministry it needs to function well. So it's important that we understand the significance of the gifts that God has given to us as we seek to give those gifts and use those gifts for others. But ministry is financed. And the church has to develop an adequate theology of giving to deal with church finances properly. Paul enhances a common proverb of the day into a Christian reflection on giving. Another behavior that speaks to the heart of giving is a cheerful giver. And so for a few minutes, let's look at three aspects of Paul in terms of giving and where it should originate and how it should work in terms of these verses. The first thing we see in verses 6 and 7 is the idea of reaping and sowing. Paul repeated a proverb common in many ancient cultures about sowing and reaping sparingly and generously. Paul then adds a piece of Jewish wisdom that giving should not be done reluctantly because God loves a cheerful giver. This wording of cheerful giver seems to come from the Septuagint of Proverbs 22.8. Jews in Alexandria, Egypt lost their native Hebrew 
after exile. To facilitate synagogue worship in Alexandria, the Hebrew scriptures were translated into Greek about two centuries before Christ. This translation is called the Septuagint and became the standard form of the Old Testament known to most Jews in the first century world of Paul. And so when we look at the Septuagint, the Septuagint adds this remark to the end of Proverbs 22.8 that you will not see in your scripture. God blesses a cheerful and giving person. Paul's wording seems to reflect the Septuagint ver- version of Proverbs 22.8. We can observe in these remarks by Paul about giving that his basic conscience on giving is Jewish and had been formed by his intimate knowledge of the Old Testament, particularly legal material. So in Proverbs 22.8, I looked it up to make sure, you will not see that phrase in the New King James Version of the Bible because Paul took that from the Septuagint and used it in his verse as he penned it to allow people to see what God loves and how God loves a cheerful giver. Paul enhanced his reflection on giving by going beyond these general cultural or Jewish wisdom tidbits that he has been reflecting on in the last verses. Christian giving is different because the source comes from God's direct enabling. Who is able to make every grace overflow to you? 2 Corinthians 9.8 Two lessons are in this short phrasing that are characteristic of Paul's experience with God. And out of Paul's experience with God, he encourages people to give as he gives. And he would do the same for us today. Out of our experience with God, we gain our encouragement for giving. First, Paul fundamentally was persuaded that God is able, period, whatever need, God is able. We know that, don't we? He has said that in other places. That divine ability of God was a fundamental conviction of Paul that drove his life. Thus, for Paul, Christian giving is because God is able, not because we are able. Keep that in mind. God has the control in giving. God is able to allow you to give. Paul was convinced God does the enabling of every aspect of the believer's life. And if God asks a believer to give, God will enable the giving. Now, is that how we give? Is that how we look at giving? That God asks us to give, and in asking us to give, God enables us to give. Second, Paul fundamentally was persuaded that Christian giving is an overflow. God overflows into a believer's heart and life. The believer then becomes a channel of this overflow to others. Thus for Paul, Christian giving is not giving what one has, but what God gives. When the waiter at the restaurant is refilling your glass and the top of the glass is reached, you motion with your hand to stop or say something politely to indicate, that's enough, thank you, I don't want any more. God is like the waiter who never stops pouring. You had better find some place for that overflow to go. Generous giving is God's nature, and Christians ought to live out of the overflow from God to us, to others. This spiritual abundance changes the very character of giving itself. Giving is not an activity that we do. Giving is a God activity. We know that to be true. The psalmist knew it, didn't he? Because in the 23rd Psalm, what did he say? 
He said, you anoint my head with oil, but what happened? My cup runs over. So out of the abundance of what God has given us, then we are to give. You say, well, I don't have an abundance. Yes, you do. You have an abundance because God gave it to you. And then he talks, he goes one step further because you see, he knows that we have trouble distinguishing between what we need and what we want. So then in verses 9 through 12, he speaks of everything you need. You see that? Paul seemed a bit callous to the poor in these verses. Having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Having everything you need, and I thank Mark for this so much. You don't know what this, you're listening. Yeah, see, I'm glad I gave you all a break. Of course, all right, let me start over on that. Paul seemed a bit callous to the poor. Having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Having everything you need. Of course, this was true financially at Corinth because the people of Corinth were quite well off at the time. But in Macedonia, really, did Paul not live in the real world? Of course he did. And so if you look at chapter 8, you will see how he dealt with Macedonian giving. Do not forget that Paul was writing from Macedonia when he composed 2 Corinthians. Paul was, was Paul insensitively telling the Macedonian believers in severe distress because of their poverty, that they had everything they needed? Of course he was not saying that. Paul was a sensitive pastor. This having everything you need is not about financial security, nor about a false health and wealth gospel. The first phrase, having everything you need to be understood, through the second phrase, every good work. God already has placed in your hands whatever you need to do the good work He has called you to do at this moment, whether you are rich or whether you are poor. God gives you what you need today to do the work that He's called you to do. It's essential to understand that. Because we know, if we're honest with ourselves, that we're guaranteed nothing beyond the next moment, are we? And we're not even guaranteed the next moment. And so God said through his servant Paul, that if you will give, I will give you what you need to give. Isn't that a good concept? Paul then quoted Psalm 112.9 in support of 2 Corinthians 9.9. Giving to the poor had been a fixture of Jewish ethics for centuries. The deeper spiritual reality is that giving out of a good heart with proper attitude is a natural outcome of inward right relationships with God. This proper divine human relationship is what God always has desired because having the right vertical relationship to God inevitably means that we have the right horizontal relationship with others. And so if your relationship with God is strong and moving in the right direction, then your relationship with others, with others will be what it ought to be and that relationship, out of that relationship, you will give. A farmer he goes on to say, would not have seed to plant unless God made the seed in the first place. Nor would a farmer have a crop of wheat to reap in order to make bread unless God wanted, watered the field. Paul used this agricultural analogy 
as a spiritual metaphor. He extended the idea to your seed, which for the urban Corinthians, who are not generally farmers, would equate to spiritual reality. The crop is righteousness. In either case, whether farmer or believer, God provides. He is saying that God has provided, has given the seed, and from the seed, the crop grows. And God gave, watered the field so that the seed could grow in the field. When I was pastoring in Southside Virginia, of course, the cash crop down there is tobacco. Not as much so now as it used to be. But I was always fascinated by the fact that an ounce of tobacco seed would cost upwards of $100. An ounce. Now, I'm not saying that we ought to be growing tobacco, but I was in Southside Virginia, and that's what they do down there, okay? They grow tobacco. But an ounce of that seed cost that much, and that was in the early 90s. That's a very expensive crop to sow. And if it had not been sown properly and had not water come, then they would have lost their crop. And God is saying through his servant Paul, I have given you all you need to give. If you will give out of what I have given you, then you will see the blessing. We often hear you cannot outgive God. Though said enough times to turn into a trite truism, this truth is known by those who give regularly and generously to be a bedrock reality of spiritual life. Paul's way of expressing this truth was, you will be enriched in every way for all generosity. His focus as indicated in verse 9 and 10 was spiritual, not material. Thus to be enriched is not to win the state lottery. To be enriched is to be fulfilled, to fulfill one's purpose for being alive. When when Paul saw believers fulfilling God's purpose for the church in the matter of giving, that vision naturally produced thanksgiving to God through us. Note that this service, the collection for the poor in Jerusalem, Paul framed as a ministry. And isn't that how we frame our giving to our Jerusalems? Thus, what was happening was not just money for the needs of the saints, but the enrichment of the entire church and its reasons for grateful worship. That is, many acts of thanksgiving to God. The church is not just another nonprofit organization doing good in the community. Keep that in mind. The church is a crucial place of personal transformation that revolutionizes the very basis of human relationships by being reconciled to God. So it's more about who we become through giving than what we give to. We are transformed by the power of God. Keep that in mind. We are giving to a cause far bigger than any social cause that we could ever give to when we give to the work of the Lord and the church because we are transforming lives through our giving. You know, we wonder why the world is in such a terrible shape. Part of the reason the world is in a terrible shape is the people of God have not been faithful in their relationship to God as they give so that others might hear the good news of salvation. That changes people's lives. And that's what Paul said. My life has been transformed by Christ. And in that transformation, I recognize that as I give, it's because God first gave to me. And then he goes on in verses 13 through 15 to tell us who gets the glory for this. And who is it? It's God. 
God gets the glory. The transformative gospel enriches all of life and those who have been benefited with, will glorify God for your obedience. Thus, in truth, social ministry, rightly performed, is evangelization. When we give to meet the basic needs of other people through the church, we are giving because God gave to us. And as we do that, lives can be changed. Further, our own confession of the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ is validated through the proof provided by this service. Further, generous giving will have deep affection for you. This note of affection is ironic because Paul, only a few chapters earlier, was begging for the affection of the Corinthians. And now that he had that relationship restored, he went on into deeper subjects with them. The impetus for this generous giving, once again, was the divine overflow. Because this service was the result of the surpassing grace of God in you. Verse 14. The word behind surpassing is formed by one of Paul's favorite linguistic terms. Paul loved taking the preposition generally rendered as above or beyond and prefixing this preposition to nouns, adjectives, adverbs, and verbs. His super conquerors are more than conquerors. In Romans 8.37 is a famous example of this. Remember what he said? For we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other created thing shall separate us from the love of Christ. That's paraphrased. But he is saying, in essence, the surpassing love of Christ changes everything. His famous super conquerors are more than conquerors. Tells us about our relationship with God. We are not just conquerors, we are super conquerors. Here in 2 Corinthians, God's grace is not just any old grace. This, is, this grace is surpassing grace. Indeed, it is amazing grace. So he is saying that we give because of the graciousness of God. Now... I, I'm, I'm standing here just like him as a pastor as we talk about giving and watch you squirm. You're not really squirming, but you could be in your mind. But understand, I'm laying out what Paul is saying is the key to giving by the individual. It has nothing to do with what you give to. It has more to do with the spirit that you give it to. He is saying if you are, have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then that relationship will show you how amazing God's grace is and out of that amazing, abundant grace and out of the gifts that come to you through God, you will have an abundance to give for the needs at hand. But you know what limits us, don't you? Our lack of faith. And Paul understood that. Paul concludes this unit with a Jewish-style benediction. Thanks be to God. The content is a word of thanksgiving. Thinking of God's grace inspires thanksgiving. The object of the thanksgiving, however, is ambiguous. His indescribable gift. This gift might have been the gift of the Corinthians promised to make to the collection for the saints in Jerusalem. The gift could have been the opportunity afforded to the Corinthians who were prospering to have a serious impact on the total amount going to Jerusalem. More likely, though, the gift is God's gift of Christ and the gospel for two reasons. 
First is the pronoun. The pronoun his redirects attention from what the Corinthians did to what God did. Look at verse 15. Thanks be to God for his. Second is the consummate nature of the adjective. Indescribable. Describable. Rhetorically seems over the top applied to the Corinthians' contribution. Therefore, gift here, especially in the immediate context of verse 13, seems more likely the gift of Christ. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. And out of the gift that God has given to us, Paul is saying there should be an abundance of giving on our behalf. But it all begins with that relationship. Shortly after World War II came to a close, Europe began picking up the pieces. Much of the old country had been ravaged by war and was in ruins. Perhaps the saddest sight of all in that period of time was that of little orphan children starving in the streets of those war-torn cities. Early one chilly morning, an American soldier was making his way back to the barracks in London. As he turned the corner in his jeep, he spotted a little lad with his nose pressed against the window of a pastry shop. Inside, the cook was kneading dough for a fresh batch of donuts. The hungry boy stared in silence, watching every move. The soldier pulled his jeep to the curb, stopped, got out, and walked quietly over to where the little fellow was staying. Though that, though the steamed-up window, or through the steamed-up window, he could see the mouth-watering morsels as they were being pulled from the oven, piping hot. The boy salivated and released a slight groan as he watched the cook place them onto the glass-enclosed counter ever so carefully, like hot donuts now at uh, Krispy Kreme. Made you hungry. The soldier's heart went out to the nameless orphan as he stood beside him. Son, would you like some of those? The boy was startled. Oh, yeah, I, I would. The soldier stepped inside and bought a dozen, put them in a bag, and walked back out to where the lad was standing in the foggy cold of the London morning. He smiled, held out the bag, and said simply, Here you are. As he turned to walk away, he felt a tug on his coat. He looked back and heard the child ask quietly, Mister, are you God? We are never more like God than when we give. We know that to be true. It's all throughout the scripture. We're never more like God than when we give. Paul wanted to remind the Corinthians as well as the church today of the significance of the gift of Christ for the future of all people. This gift surpasses any gift we could ever give in return because indeed, like the psalmist, our cup does overflow. And out of the abundance that God has given to us, we have a responsibility to give to the work at hand. He used Jerusalem because Jerusalem is where the offering was going. What do we use? When we give, where is your heart in giving? If your heart is with God, you will give and give and give and give 
Because you can never outgive God. Shall we pray? Oh, Father, we are thankful that you have invested in us. And in investing in us, your expectation is for our faithfulness to produce dividends for you. Your great love for us, Father, has shown us of how far you are willing to go to redeem us. The question for the Corinthian church and the question for us today is the same. Are we willing to give out of the abundance that you have given? Speak to our hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. Grace greater than our sin. Amazing grace. We know it to be. Paul had a way of taking those things that are hard to describe and trying to describe them until he came to verse 15 when there was no description for what God has done. The invitation is open as we stand and sing hymn number 329.
Well, if you're taking your sweet out, sweetheart out for Valentine's Day, the Methodists have beat you out today. I'm sorry. Uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. But I'm grateful that you were willing to, to stay a little over this morning for uh, our time together. We had a lot to do this morning, and we don't do this very often. But thank you for allowing me uh, the privilege of going over because I know you could have gotten out, up and walked out, but you didn't. Next week, we will conclude our study of uh, 2 Corinthians, and we'll move on to other things as we progress. Remember that we follow the Henrico County school system in terms of closing. So if the schools are closed, the church activities are closed. That doesn't necessarily mean the church office is closed, okay? So I want you to keep that in mind. But if there's no one here, it's mean no one could get here. Uh, we should be fine. I don't think there'll be any problems with that. But remember this when you think about you stayed over today when you're sitting in tomorrow because you're uh, dodging the ice and the snow. What a wonderful time we had in a warm church and what a wonderful sermon we heard and how wonderful it is to be part of WMU and their ministry and all of those things. So uh, I'm grateful again that we've had this time together. Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart today, we do so recognizing that your love for us surpasses anything we could ever